the whole plateau thing, it's okay to evaluate what you're doing and say, am I doing something wrong? Is my workout too hard or not hard enough or not appropriate? But at some point you're going to plateau. Like you can't just keep getting leaner. You can't just keep getting stronger for the rest of your life. In fact, if you're successful and you end up doing this forever, at some point you're going to get weaker. At some point your fitness is going to decline because you get older. How the hell am I going to keep doing this when no matter what I do in the gym, I'm not stronger. I'm actually going backwards because that's going to happen at some point, right? When I'm 70 years old, I'm not going to be adding weight to the bar. I'm probably going to be taking the, the weight off. Well, holy cow. How, why would I keep going? Well, because I enjoy the process. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest is Sal Stefano. You may recognize Sal as one of the hosts of the Mind Pump podcast, a show that exposes the raw truth about health, fitness, nutrition, and more. Sal picked up his first weight at the age of 14, and fitness was a way for him to apply hard work and effort towards changing and reinventing himself. He wanted to shift the direction of the fitness industry from an aesthetic, insecurity-based industry to a self-love and self-care health industry. This is Sal's third time on the podcast, and today we discuss what you must do in order to achieve your health and fitness goals. But today's conversation isn't all about working out. We dive deep into the non-physical things that you must do in order to achieve your goals. We discuss behavior change, how to build healthy habits that last, why self-discovery is a non-negotiable, and of course, we chat about some things that you must do in the gym to see results and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Sal Stefano back to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Sal, welcome back to the podcast. Doug, good to see you again, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, it's good to see you too. And you're somebody that I often look to and you and the, the Mind Pump team as far as I look for, to you guys for fitness advice, health advice, and kind of sifting through all the information out there in order to, to help other people improve their health. And I think like as 2023 is here now, people are going to be like clinging on to something to help to look into improve their health, to improve their fitness, to be able to live longer. And there's so much information out there. There's so many things that are that's being pushed out there. In your opinion, based on your experience and the decades of doing this, what do you think are three things that people should focus on as we head into the new year to improve their health and fitness? We'll start with what I think to be the most important thing here, because when you're looking at, when you're talking about improving your health and your fitness, and you know, under that category could be weight loss, uh, you know, fat loss, getting stronger, improving mobility, maybe reducing pain. So really just that whole umbrella of just becoming healthier and more fit. So it kind of covers all those things, right? When you look at that, there are a lot of different ways to accomplish improvements in all of those areas. In other words, there's a lot of different ways to exercise. There are a lot of different ways to improve your nutrition and all of them can provide value. Someone might be like, well, what's the one? Like, which one do I pick? Like, how do I know, you know, what's going to be right? Well, what we got to do is we got to look at why people fail the most or what is it about every exercise modality, every way that people try to improve the nutrition. 
why do people fail at such a high rate? Okay, let's look at that. So the numbers show us that when a person goes on a diet or a person goes on a a fitness journey or a weight loss journey, you're looking at a fail rate uh, north of 85%. And this is within the first couple of years. If you stretch that out to five years, it's probably over 90%. So super high fail rate. Basically, if you look at the numbers, you're probably going to fail. And so you got to look at that and go, well, what's going on here? Well, why do people fail so often? And the main reason is not necessarily because they are... Now, these are all factors that are true, but these aren't the main reasons as to why people fail. People say, well, it's, is it the workout program? Is it the type of diet? Is it the types of foods that they're eating? Somewhat, but the main thing that we need to understand is that exercise, so long as it's not done inappropriately, in other words, so long as you're not overdoing it or hurting yourself, you will gain benefit from, okay? So the main reason why they fail is because people stop. Of course, you know, the, you know people will say, well, duh. Yeah, well, okay, well, why are people... <laughs> Why are people stopping? By the way, I want to make something very clear here. The exercise program, and again, this is uh, considering it's appropriate. So you're not hurting yourself. You're not overdoing it, right? It's appropriately applied. The exercise program and the nutrition, nutritional changes that you can stick to are going to be the most effective. Let that sink in for a second. The workout program that you do forever is going to outperform any other workout program that you end up stopping. Even if those other workout programs on paper or physiologically speaking are superior. In other words, if I had two workout programs and on a scale of one to 10, this one's a 10 in terms of just effectiveness, and this one's a five in terms of effectiveness, but the 10 workout program I don't do, I stop, and the five is the one that I continue for the rest of my life, well, which one's the most effective, right? It's gonna be the one that you end up sticking to. So what we need to do really is look at our behaviors and figure out what it is that's making people stop and reverse out. And one of the main reasons for stopping and reversing out, there's a few of them, but one of them is how we set our goals and the mindset that we have going into setting our goals. So let's talk about that for a second. The first part is how we set our goals. Now, usually, especially at the beginning of the year, especially around January time, and you know this, you work in gyms, you know, when I would manage big box gyms, we could expect a, at least a 50% increase in traffic, at least in January. Sometimes it would be 100% increase in traffic. So you're looking at, it's like the mall around Christmas time. Like if you go right now, like if you were to go shopping before Christmas at the mall, it's just packed, right? Versus other times of the year. Well, gyms are like that, in, you know, January and February. They're just packed with people showing up. And usually when people first start working out, and this is true at any point, but definitely at the beginning of the year, is we're doing it through this kind of motivated state of mind. So we're like, that's it. 2023 is here. I'm going to get started. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you set a goal in that motivated state of mind, we tend to subconsciously assume that we're always going to feel that same feeling of motivation. So it's like, that's it. I'm going to start working out. I haven't, I'm not working at it all right now. I'm going to go to the gym four days a week and I've been eating like crap. So that's it. I'm going to eliminate all carbs and sugar out of my diet and I'm going to reduce my calories by whatever. Right? So it's like these really lot, like big changes and you feel good about it because you're super motivated. But then eventually that motivated state of mind tends to go away because it's a state of mind. Like we're not in the same state of mind all the time. And when that motivated state of mind fades, which it will, 
you no longer can maintain those, you know, crazy goals. And then we tend to fail. And then we're like, what's the use? So the first thing you want to do is you want to set yourself up with small goals. And you want to ask yourself, is what it takes to get this particular goal? So let's say my first goal is I want to lose five pounds. So let's say ultimately my goal is to lose 40 pounds, right? But I'm going to say I'm going to lose five pounds first. Let's see, what can I do to move towards that five pound weight loss? Make sure you ask yourself, is this a change that I can maintain for the rest of my life? So whatever I'm about to do, would I, and you have to be honest with yourself, be able to maintain this when I'm low energy, when I have no motivation, those days I come home from work and I just want to watch TV, those days I feel stressed out, like kind of put yourself there, take yourself outside of your, your current state of mind, which is super motivated, and say, is this something that I can do for the rest of my life? And if the answer is yes, then start there. If the answer is no, don't start there, no matter what, because you're just going to set yourself up for failure. By the way, there is no wrong answer here. So it can be, you know, I'm going to drink an extra glass of water, or I'm going to start by walking five minutes every night. You know, it could be tiny. It doesn't matter. Start there. And then what you want to do is you want to follow that until it feels like a habit, until it feels like it's a part of your lifestyle and a part of your routine. Like it's not really something you have to think about anymore. There's really no challenge to it. You appreciate it. And then you ask yourself that same question. What's the next step I can take that I think is going to be realistic for me forever? And, and what happens when you do this, by the way, is the first step tends to be the smallest. Each successive step tends to be a little bit bigger. And the space between those changes tends to shrink because we start to develop this kind of skill of discipline, and we start to develop this feeling of confidence. We start to build these little wins, okay? So, you know, to walk you through it, it's like, okay, I want to lose 50 pounds. Right now, I'm not exercising at all. Right now, I am not watching what I'm eating at all. So let me see here. I'm really motivated, but I heard Sal on a podcast say I should start with, you know, something I think is realistic forever. So let me think. I want to go to the gym three days a week. And then I got to ask myself, okay, is that realistic forever? Like, nah, it's definitely not. I'm, I'm probably going to give up at some point. What about two days a week? No, that's still too much. What about one day a week? For the rest of my life, right now, maybe. All right, well, let me start with this. 15 minutes of walking every night. Do I think I could do that for the rest of my life realistically? And then I say, okay, yeah, I think I can. I think I can. Let me start with that. And then you do that. And then you're like, wow, this is great. I enjoy it. This feels easy. What's the next thing I can do? And then you go from there. And what ends up happening is this trajectory becomes more and more pronounced and the results, of course, follow, right? So that's the first, you know, big thing is when you, you, you can have a big goal, but make sure you break it up into smaller goals. And then you want to make changes that are things that you feel like, I think I can stick to this forever. And that's going to lead you, your, your odds of success are tremendously higher doing it that way. The second thing is, you want to look deep into the root cause of your new motivation or the driver of this current motivation. Is it coming from a place of negativity or is it coming from a place of positivity? This makes a profound difference. So a place of negativity would be something like this. I want to lose 50 pounds because I'm fat and unattractive. I want to lose 50 pounds because I, I, I feel gross. I want to lose 50 pounds because I'm lazy. I want to lose 50 pounds because I don't look good. Okay. Those are all places of negativity. Here are the place, here are some positive drivers of motivation. I want to lose 50 pounds 
because I deserve to feel good. I want to lose 50 pounds because, man, you know what? I, I want to take care of myself because I deserve to be taken care of. I want to lose 50 pounds because I want to feel good. Not I don't want to feel bad, but I want to feel good. Okay, now why is that important? Because here's what happens. If I'm motivated from a negative place, then the changes that I make, all the steps I'm going to take to get to the goal, if it's coming from a negative motivation standpoint, all those changes now become negatively driven. In other words, to be more specific, exercise is a punishment. Exercise is I'm going to beat myself up. So if I say I want to lose 50 pounds because I'm unattractive and gross, when I'm going to the gym, it's like this kind of angry, negative, like sweat it out, get this fat off me. I hate this, okay? When I'm changing my diet, it is not self-care, but rather restrictive. No, I'm, I can't eat that cookie because I'm fat. No, I can't eat this much food because I'm unattractive, okay? Now, why is that ineffective? Because nobody is going to maintain this self-hate state of mind forever. At some point, what's going to happen is you're going to rebel from this negative state of mind, and you're going to, and the rebellion is going to look like this. You know what? I'm not going to go to the gym. I just want to enjoy my life. Like, workouts suck. Or, you know what? I'm going to eat that pizza because I just want to have fun. And eating the way I did before, man, it was miserable. It sucked. Okay? Now, if we look at the other end of this, and it's coming from this kind of positive perspective, well, now working out is self-care. Now I'm going to the gym, and I'm not like punishing myself, but rather taking care of myself. When I'm looking at diet, I'm not restricting myself. I'm caring for myself. So it's not, I can't eat that cookie because I'm unattractive. It's, I don't want that cookie because that's not taking care of me, okay? The positive viewpoint also leads to balance. So people always hear, you know, like you need to have balance in your life, have balance in your life. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means when I'm honest, when I'm honestly caring for myself and it's coming from a good place, there are going to be those occasions where caring for yourself, especially from, like I said, a, a true standpoint, is going to be eating a cookie or caring for myself is going to be taking a day off from the gym because maybe I am too tired. Maybe I am, maybe I did get poor sleep or maybe I do feel a little sick or Maybe I'm hanging out with my friends and we're having this incredible conversation and I'm in the moment and we're eating pizza and we're just having fun and caring for myself is really just nourishing these relationships I have with these friends right now, right? So you develop this, this balance, okay? So those are the most important things, the most important things, okay? If you don't do those things, then the way you work out and the diet you go on doesn't matter. Because you're not going to end up, you're going to be part of that 90 plus percent that end up, you know, going back to where you were before. And by the way, the statistics show that each time you fail majorly in that way, that not only do you gain the weight back, for example, you add weight on top of it. And each successive attempt becomes more and more challenging to the point where people eventually give up. They eventually go, I've tried this for, you know, I've tried this five times. It's not going to do it anymore, okay? So you want to approach this with the mindset of how can I do this in a way to where I'm not going to stop? That's the most important thing. Okay, once we get that done and we've got that down, and again, I don't want to, you know, breeze over that. That is 
the most important piece right there. What I'm about to say, people focus on the most. But what I'm about to say is a small piece of this whole thing. Everybody focuses on what I'm about to say right now when they need to focus on what I just talked about. So let's remember that. So what I'm about to say plays a role, but is only this much importance in comparison to the importance of what we just talked about. So don't get caught up in what I'm about to say, and this is what people will sell to you, and this is what you're going to see marketed to you, and there's going to be more emphasis placed upon what I'm about to say than anything else. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's not nearly as important. Okay. However, if you do what I just talked about, then you can go to what's the most effective workout plan and what's the most effective nutrition approach to getting myself to become healthy. So let's talk about the most effective workout plan. Now, I already said that the the strongest, most important consideration is which workout am I going to stick to? So if your answer is, well, I don't necessarily hate one versus the other more, or I'm somewhat flexible to the way I'm going to work out, then we can look at, okay, if you're somewhat flexible, now let's consider just effectiveness with the workouts. And when you look at effectiveness in terms of time spent versus, you know, or not time spent and the type of results you get with the time you spend doing that form of exercise, strength training is the most effective form of exercise, okay? So in other words, if you're only going to exercise once or twice a week, the benefits you'll gain from strength training will supersede the benefits you'll gain from any other form of exercise. But again, I do want to be clear, it's not going to give you any goal results if you don't do it. So consider that, right? But if you're like, look, I'll strength train or I'll do, I'll run or I'll do yoga, you know, like which one's the most effective? Cause I'll, all of them doesn't make a huge difference to me. Strength training is the most effective one. Why? Because the adaptations that strength training induces in the body make getting results easier because the main adaptation from strength training is building strength and building muscle. The side effect of which being a faster metabolism. So because I'm building muscle, I'm actually teaching my body to burn more calories on its own, which is great because if I'm burning more calories all the time, it's going to make being lean a lot easier. I don't need to like keep moving to burn these extra calories. I'm kind of teaching my body to burn these extra calories. So that's number one. Number two, muscle is extremely protective, especially in the context of a sedentary lifestyle, which most people have in modern societies. What do I mean by that? Well, muscle is very insulin sensitive. So it helps with blood sugar, insulin regulation. Muscle is a place that you also store, that you also have stored energy, stored carbohydrates. So it does those things. It also balances out hormones better than other forms of exercise because the muscle building process requires a youthful hormone profile. So when I tell my body to build muscle, and if all the if the environment is appropriate, meaning I'm you know I'm still getting enough sleep and I'm feeding my body appropriately, then what my body will do to build muscle is organize its hormones in the best way to build that muscle. And what that looks like is a youthful hormone profile. So think of you know when you think of a person, the ages that we tend to build muscle the easiest is like you know mid teens to you know maybe early thirties. Okay, you can kind of put that general. In men, that's higher testosterone levels, that's, you know, better androgen receptor density, 
In women, it's you know a better balance of estrogen and progesterone. In both men and women, it's more growth hormone production. It's an appropriate cortisol response. So it just strength training tends to organize your hormones in a youthful way, and that makes you know being lean and fit and mobile a lot easier with less time spent in the gym. It just is, right? If I if I only work out one day a week and I'm comparing different forms of exercise, well, the one that's going to make my hormones more optimal is just going to make it easier for me to do that um, versus one that's not going to necessarily do that, right? So that would be the other you know, side of this. And then lastly, I would say this also I, I think is actually quite important. I, in fact, I should have said this before I talked about the forms of exercise, but it's really important to help yourself become aware of all of the values that exercise and better nutrition provide you. All right, what do I mean by that? Well, most people really only allow themselves to be aware of a few different things when they're exercising and they've changed their diet. Number one is weight loss. Like they're very aware if they lose weight or body fat, okay? Another one might be, you know, if they're stronger in the gym, people tend to notice that as well. But here's what people tend to not pay attention to, which is also quite profound. Better sleep, uh, better libido, my skin health looks better, my hair and nail health look better, better digestion, more balanced mood, more stable energy, okay? So it's important that you, and I always tell, I used to tell clients to keep track of these things because it helps you become aware because we've hyper-focused on the weight loss that we tend to lose focus of this other stuff. Like I, I, this used to happen to me all the time. I'd get a client, we'd start working out, you know, 30, 60 days in. They're like, you know, I haven't lost that much weight yet on the scale, which is normal, especially in the beginning. And I'll say, okay, how's your sleep been? And then they'll have to think about it. I'll be like, you know what? Now that you mentioned it, man, I'm sleeping way better. I'll say, okay. And I'll mark that down on their chart. And I'll say, well, how about your libido? Any changes in libido? Oh yeah. Like uh, I definitely feel like I have a more youthful libido. I'll be like, all right, that's cool. I'll say, what about your moods? Do you feel like you're in a better mood more often? And they'll think about it. I'll be like, you know what? Now that you say it, yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, wow, this has been an amazing two months. Right? Whereas before they were like, I lost one pound on the scale. I'm failing. This sucks. It's not working. Okay. So you want to make yourself aware of all these things because there are changes that are happening that may not be reflected on the scale. And those are positive changes. And when you can identify them, it's going to feel really good to continue. If you don't pay attention to them or ignore them, either because you're purposefully organ uh, ignoring them or which most likely is you're just not aware because you're not even knowing to pay attention to those things. You know, if you don't notice those things, it's going to make it really hard. You're going to feel like maybe you're kind of wasting your time with your workouts. So it's really important to do those things. And I think if you approach 2023 with the things that I just talked about, you're looking at a success rate north of 70%. And I mean forever success. And that's just been my experience. That's huge. That's a big difference. You're looking at it, you know, going from 10% to 70% success rate. Now, I will say this. Expect to hit speed bumps along the way. Expect that there's going to be challenges in this process. It is a journey. I know people have heard this. You know, people say it's, you know, it's a journey. It's a journey. It totally is a journey. And it is a never-ending journey because you are never the same person. You're always changing. 
your mind is changing, your lifestyle is changing. And so as you get older, as life changes, as your job changes and stress levels change and all that stuff, so will the values that your exercise brings to you. So will the values that your diet brings to you. And so will the types of exercise that you do and how hard you do it and how long you work out and how you eat and all those things. So it is a journey because it is a never ending journey. It's not a destination you get to and then you stop. You're like, oh, I'm cool. I'm here. Now I'm done. It doesn't work that way. So I think if people were communicated, if the fitness space communicated fitness and health this way more often, I think people, we would see a much higher success rate. Now, the reason why they don't is because that's hard to monetize. It's easy to monetize a supplement, right? It's easy to monetize a weird diet or here's the secret, you know? It's carbs, it's sugar, it's fat, it's, you know, whatever. So because of the monetization, because it is a market of this space, we get this skewed image of what is important, what is impactful, and what isn't. Like, if you just looked at the market, you would think that supplements really made a tremendous difference. And I'm going to tell you right now, supplements make almost no difference at all when it comes to this entire process. I mean, there are occasions where if you have a nutrient deficiency, then supplements can be a game changer. Like if you're low in, you know, iron or vitamin D or whatever, well, yeah, your body's not, you know, operating the way it should. But aside from that, supplements are nothing in comparison to all the stuff that I just talked about. Behavior change, man, it's it's so important. I know I love how you spent most of your time talking about like how to prep yourself to make these behavior changes and how to embrace the journey, how to play the long game, how, how to identify like why you're doing this. And then as a byproduct of that, like you're going to be more willing and and you're going to be able to be better at adhering to whatever exercise program that you choose to do. You're going to be more willing to do that strength training program or go to the gym or walk or whatever path it is that you choose to go down, right? We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second, but first wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I have been using for quite some time now. Lately, I have been trying to use it as an alternative to coffee as I am trying to cut back. I can say I think it might be working. Using it can be as simple as adding it to a smoothie or mixing it with water or your favorite nut milk. Cacao Bliss starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com slash Doug Again, it's earthechofoods.com slash Doug to check it out and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Yeah, let me jump in because consider this, okay? Let's say you're, you're you and you're like, I want to become a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, okay? I think we all know that that's a long journey and there's a long learning process of doing so. We tend to not realize that when it comes to weight loss or improving our appearance, you know, through exercise, nutrition, or improving our health. We don't really consider that, but think of it this way. Think of yourself right now and then think of yourself, you know, 30 pounds lighter, more fit, stronger, healthier, 
different mindset, all that stuff, okay? If you look at those two, besides the physical differences, which are profound, the person who is the 30-pound lighter version of you and all that stuff is also different in pretty much every other aspect. That is a different you. So you're going to go from you here to you much different. Yeah, that's not going to happen overnight. That is a process. It is a learning and growth process. And I've said this before many times, fitness, what I love most about fitness is that it is an amazing vehicle for personal growth. It's an amazing vehicle for personal growth, mainly because nobody realizes that it's a vehicle for personal growth. Like nobody goes, you know, I'm going to start working out because I want to become a better, you know, different person. I want to do this personal growth journey. Like nobody says that. Everybody's like, I want to look better, right? I want to have better abs, okay? They don't realize that they're embarking on a personal growth journey. Now, why am I saying it's a personal growth journey? Because here's what you end up learning. Well, you learn self-acceptance. That's a big one. That is a huge lesson you learn with fitness if you stick to it long enough. What do I mean by that? Well, at some point, you end up accepting that you end up accepting your body's limitations. You end up accepting the limitations of your lifestyle and what's really important to you. Like you might have said, I want a six pack. And then you eventually be like, you know what? I know what it takes to get a six pack. And uh, I don't want a six pack because I'm not trying to work out six days a week. I like to hang out with my kids. I like my business. I just want to be healthy. Acceptance, right? Or you might say, I want to look like that, that girl on social media. And then at some point you're like, I'm never going to look like that girl on social media because I'm me. Acceptance. So I'm just going to continue doing this anyway. You also learn how to fail. What do I mean by that? Well, you're going to suck at any and all exercises that you try the first, you know, 20 times. They're just going to be hard. You're not going to feel right. They're going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. So you got to fail at them. You got to suck at them and you got to keep going back and you got to suck at it and you got to keep going back. What a wonderful learning process that is. In fact, when you do this long enough, you know, like Doug, you've been doing this for a long time. You probably now appreciate and embrace the times you try new exercises that you suck at because now you appreciate the process of getting better at it. Whereas, you know, when you first start working out and you suck at something, you probably beat yourself up. Like, oh, I suck. I can't even do a push up or ah, pull-ups. I don't even want to try doing those pull-ups. Well, now if I try something and I can't do it, I'm like, cool, this is something that I'm going to practice, you know, and get better doing. You develop a healthy relationship with pain and struggle. This is really big. This is really big. Most of us, because we grow up in this modern society that's cushy, air-conditioned, or, you know, heated, 72 degrees all the time, comfortable chairs, you know, working on computers or whatever, we don't have a relationship with pain that is healthy. We have a relationship with pain where it's scary, we don't understand it, we avoid the hell out of it, okay? When you exercise, it hurts. You know, I remember uh, as an early trainer, this, this would happen occasionally. I remember thinking, this is weird. You know, it eventually made sense to me, but I'd have a client try and exercise for the first time. Like, I, like I remember specifically, there was this woman who'd never done strength training before, right? She hired me and she was in the late 40s. And we were doing a tricep press down for, she'd never done this before for the first time. Very basic exercise for the back of the arms, right? With the triceps. And it, I put, you know, very lightweight because she'd never done it before. And she's, you know, doing her reps, doing her reps. And she suddenly let go of the cable and the weight stack <laughs> slams down. And she goes, oh my God. And I said, what's the matter? Oh my God, I, I, 
I think I hurt myself. And so I'm like, oh, okay, where's the pain? What happened, right? I'm starting to assess. Well, it turns out her triceps were burning and she never really felt what that felt like. Freaked her out. She had no idea. And I remember thinking, that's weird. But then it's like, well, yeah, I guess if you've never really done something like that, you don't have a relationship with that kind of pain. To you, it's just pain. Oh my God, this is bad. So when you look at, for example, somebody who's exercised consistently for, let's say, 10 years, and they work out versus somebody who just started working out now, the person who's worked out for 10 years feels as much or more pain during the workout than the beginner. Probably more because they're pushing themselves harder. They have a higher level of conditioning. And yet they don't fear it. They don't run away from it. It doesn't make them like avoid the workout. In fact, the experienced person who's worked out for a long time embraces that challenge and that type of pain. They've developed a relationship with pain, right? Now, what's the carryover? Life, life hurts. By the way, as you change your relationship to physical pain, you also get better at dealing with all kinds of stresses and all kinds of pains. In fact, you know, one of the, the number one comments I would get, especially from my female clients, was how much more confident they felt in their everyday life. Part of it was because they were stronger, but the other part of it was they were just more, they were more aware of what their bodies were capable of doing. They had developed a new relationship with pain. Okay. Now, what does that what does that mean? Well, I mean, there's good pain, there's bad pain. And developing a good relationship and understanding the two means you can push yourself appropriately or not. It means you're more effective in life. And by the way, this has carryover to mental pain and stress and that kind of stuff. They'll find that people who exercise just generally handle stressful situations better as well. So, so this, it's this incredibly powerful vehicle for personal growth. And when you view it that way, it it's becomes amazing in the sense that you start to appreciate the journey. You start to appreciate, you know, just the process. And by the way, and this is super important, if you learn to appreciate the process, then you're going to hit the goals. You are going to get the progress. Those just become a, a wonderful side effect, right? If you, if you love the process that you're going through, if you love the process of improving your diet, if you love the process of caring for yourself through exercise, are you going to reap benefits? Are you going to lose body fat? Are you going to get stronger? Are you going to improve your health? Yes, 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 yes. And they're all side effects. They're all wonderful side effects. And it doesn't matter anymore because, you know, if you just focus on, I got to hit this goal and say, so like, okay, I hit this goal. Now what? But if the goal happens as a side effect of this process that you love, you just keep going. And now you've got this lifelong personal growth vehicle that you're, you're sitting in and driving for the rest of your life. And you got to view it this way. I know it sounds kind of philosophical and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I just want to lose 15 pounds. But I'm telling you right now, you have to view it this way if your goal is to get better health and stay healthier. Now, if your goal is to lose weight and gain it back, well, then, then ignore everything I said and then just do what you've done before. But if you want to like, look, I want to do this and I don't want to gain the weight back and I want to do this for the rest of my life and I want to be able to enjoy this, well, then really focus on the words that I just said. Yeah, man. So true. You got to embrace the journey and you have to look at like the non-physical benefits 
of exercise. You have to play the long game as we've talked about. And I think that people now they're listening to this and they're, they're kind of maybe motivated. They're like, all right, I feel like I'm, I'm going to do it dif different this time. I'm actually going to look at why I'm doing something. I'm going to do something that I can stick to. I'm going to, you know, try some strength training. I'm going to embrace the journey. And I think what happens is the typical client, they, for years, I mean, maybe even decades, they've been partaking in bad habits, poor food choices, poor exercise habits and negative self-talk that when they start something like this, they're trying to take these small steps, but at the same time, they have these, these negative behaviors and, and people are just impatient, right? And so people will end up, I think sometimes falling off and stopping because they're like, man, it's just, I just, I, I don't have enough patience. Like when's this going to actually start to feel good? When am I going to see that result? In your experience, like what advice do you have for people when they're in those moments other than, I know you talked about like focusing on how their relationships are, how their sleep is, what their moods, like what other like, tips do you have for somebody who's struggling with patience along the way? Yeah. So that first part's important because you will notice, you will notice lots of changes if you really pay attention that don't have anything to do with weight loss and all that stuff. But then here's, a, here's the other part. If you're doing this from a positive viewpoint, if you're doing this because you're caring for yourself then you will be kind to yourself. That's where patience comes from, by the way, okay? It's like if you have a kid, like you have your, I have a two-year-old at home, and let's say I'm, I'm potty training him, okay? And he has some accidents. Like if I'm doing a good job and I'm a you know, loving parent and all that stuff, and maybe I'm not overstressed or whatever because I know it's hard to raise kids, like I'm not gonna yell at him and shame him because he's had some accidents. Like I'm gonna be kind to him because... He's learning how to, you know, this is a first, it's a new thing that he's learning. It's a big deal, right? We're not kind to ourselves. That's why we become impatient. So be kind to yourself. You step on the scale, oh, all right, I haven't lost any weight yet. All right, well, I'm going to keep going. Like, this is definitely challenging, right? I could see that this is hard. Or, oh, man, yesterday I was really stressed out, and I had a meal prepared for myself that was healthy, but I was really stressed out, and I ended up distracting myself and indulging in food that just wasn't great for me. Yeah, you know, it's tough. Let me start over. I think I can do better next time, right? That will give you the patience that you need, not beating the crap out of yourself because you made a mistake or what's wrong with me or whatever. Eventually you'll give up because, you know, it's like, imagine living with a roommate like that. Imagine living with a roommate that beat, the, beat you up every time and shamed you and made you feel like an idiot every time you made a mistake. Maybe in the beginning, you'll be like, okay, like, sorry, well, let me fix this or whatever. They keep doing it over and over. Like, I'm out of here. I don't want to live with this, this person. They make me feel like crap. Well, my God, when that's you, you can't get away from that, right? When that's you doing that to you, then eventually you'll quit completely. And like I said, you'll rebel. Look, let me put it this way. What are the characteristics of someone that goes off a diet? Do they just go back to how they were eating before? Or is there an, an initial period where not only do they go back to their eating before, but they were they go way worse than the way they were eating before, right? That initial like, you know, I'm on this diet, low carb or paleo or whatever, and then they're like, they're, and then they end the diet. They don't end the diet by like eating some carbs or eating a cookie. They go off and they go, they don't just go back, they rebel. It's a rebellion, right? That's your clue right there. If you've ever gone off a quote unquote, gone off a diet, and that week or two afterwards looks like a binge, well, it's because you were living with this person that made you feel like crap, that shamed the crap out of you, that was not kind to you, that didn't care for you. And when I say care for you, you know, I want to be very clear because people think that means you have to feel like this warm, fuzzy feeling. No, 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 no. Sometimes, you know, 
caring for yourself comes with this warm, fuzzy feeling, right? But what I mean is action because you're not always going to feel warm and fuzzy to yourself. By the way, you're not going to always feel warm and fuzzy for your wife or your husband or your kids or your best friend or your relatives either. You know, care and love are actions, not feelings. They often come with feelings, but sometimes, look, look, if you're a parent, I got four kids, right? Sometimes, like, I don't have warm, fuzzy feelings for my kids. Sometimes I'm stressed out. My kid's screaming. This kid over here doesn't want to do their homework. This one doesn't want to do their chores. And I'm, like, just mad. I am just annoyed and mad at them. Like, but I still have to do the act of love, or I choose to show the act of love. Like, I don't tell my kids, you know, throw them out in the street or, you know, beat my two-year-old because he's screaming, right? So this is what I mean when I say self-care is it's an action. So you'd be like, okay, what does it look like to take care of myself? And let me just take that action. I know right now I don't really feel that way. I kind of feel disappointed in myself. But what would a person who cares about someone else, what would the action look like? And let me just take that action. If you do that, you won't go wrong. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at it from a self-love, self-care, like positive approach when you're, you know, starting this health and fitness routine. Or, or like you said, whenever you hit a plateau or whenever you make a mistake, you'll lose or you'll want to quit because you're doing it from a place of self-hate. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. the, the whole plateau thing, it's okay to evaluate what you're doing and say, am I doing something wrong? Is my workout too hard or not hard enough or not appropriate? But at some point, you're going to plateau. Like you can't just keep getting leaner. You can't just keep getting stronger for the rest of your life. In fact, if you're successful and you end up doing this forever, at some point, you're going to get weaker. At some point, your fitness is going to decline because you get older. How the hell am I going to keep doing this when no matter what I do in the gym, I'm not stronger. I'm actually going backwards because that's going to happen at some point, right? When I'm 70 years old, I'm not going to be adding weight to the bar. I'm probably going to be taking the, the weight off. Well, holy cow. How, why would I keep going? Well, because I enjoy the process. Because I enjoy the process, I'll keep going. So when it comes to plateaus, like I get it and it's okay to evaluate what's going on, but you better, you got to learn how to just keep moving forward when that happens, because it's going to happen anyway, no matter what you do everything perfect. You're going to hit a plateau no matter what. So we've spent a lot of the conversation, obviously talking about what people should do when they're starting a fitness journey. I think it's, it's uh, good to also focus on what not to do. And I try to stay out of the health and fitness drama to the best I can, but I think it's important that we at least touch on this because I think, you know, the biggest story to hit the fitness world this year has been that, you know, Liver King, after telling people for quite some time that he wasn't on steroids and that you just follow these ancestral tenants and you'll look like him and you'll have that lifestyle, that that in fact was false. Now, I would say that everybody that I know in the fitness space knew that he was on steroids. They could just look at him and just say, yeah, he's definitely on steroids. But the average person who isn't in our field, they might not. And they're, they're, in, they're in a vulnerable state a lot of times and they'll see a program or something like that. And they'll want a result quick. And they'll say, you know what? I'm going to cling on to this. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what people can do to make sure that they're not buying into nonsense when it comes to the health and fitness space and maybe a few myths that you see that, that people tend to, to focus on. Yeah, he's a caricature of um, – he's a character, like an invented character. Here's some advice. If somebody in the fitness space is using their body – and their performance to sell you anything run the other way, okay? Because here's why. First off, we're all different. We're all very unique. Physiologically unique, 
So different genetics, different hormones, different gut microbiome, and we're just all very unique. Okay, we all have like a, we're like a fingerprint. Every single one of us is very unique physically. And then you can compound that with we're also very unique psychologically. We also have different experiences, how those experiences mold and shape us, how we view things. Okay, so we're just very different. So if somebody says to you, look at me, this is your evidence of how awesome my information is, run the other way. It's a cheap trick. They probably don't know what they're talking about. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's everything I hate about the fitness space. It's body obsession. It's selling unachievable, improbable. It's crappy information. So I didn't even pay attention to the Liver King when he was doing his thing. I mean, all of us were like, who cares? I don't care if he's on steroids or off steroids. He's a moron. He's selling his programs with his shirt off. And he's saying he lives like a caveman or whatever. Like, obviously, he's a character. It's like a cartoon character telling you what to do. It's like ridiculous. So run the other way. Who should you listen to? Well, listen to people who are educated and who have experience working with lots of different people. Like the best advice you'll get when it comes to fitness and health are from coaches and trainers who've been working with clients for 10 plus years. Why? Because they have a wide variety of experience working with a wide variety of different people. You know, when you've trained for over 10 years, you've worked with old people, young people, vegans, people who like to eat meat, people who are a lot of, under a lot of stress, people who don't have a lot of stress, people who have great athletic capabilities, people who don't have the greatest athletic capabilities. Like, you'll get advice that's going to be applicable, okay? Don't listen to the professional athlete, the bodybuilder, and definitely not the person who's selling their bodies as evidence of how awesome their programs or diet or whatever is. Definitely run uh, the other way. And I'll tell people, and look, I know human behavior is that we, a lot of people know this, but it's it, we still buy into it because it, it kind of taps into kind of our primal, primitive brains and how we seek evidence, right? Like I could, there could be a study that shows uh, that a particular approach it doesn't work at all. Double blind, placebo controlled on a thousand people doesn't work. But then if your friend comes to you and go, I did that process and I lost 30 pounds, you'd be like, I'm going to do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like, I get that. Why do people do that though? I've often wondered that like, despite all the information that we have out about like what actually works, people just tend to do something else. Because that's how we're wired. You know, we evolved in tribes and the evidence that you got was the guy was what the guy or girl or person told you. And so we're kind of wired that way. So you got to kind of override that a little bit. But also, like, don't compare yourself to anybody but yourself. So look at someone on so You know, I, I tell you what, this is actually an interesting thought experiment, right? If all you ever did was watch professional basketball in, in stadiums, let's say every single day you sat in a stadium and you watched professional basketball players, you would develop a skewed view of what the average human looks like. You would think seven-foot-tall people were common, Right. You know how rare a person who's seven foot tall is? Like, think about everyday life. How many times have you run into someone that's seven foot tall in regular life? Probably never, or once. You probably remembered that one time, right? Never. I used to have a client who was like six eight, but that's the tallest person I've seen in, in normal life. Yeah, right? So when you're on social media and you're looking at impossibly chiseled bodies, whether they're airbrushed or photoshopped or the light is perfect or they're taking performance-enhancing drugs or they just have hit the lottery 
when it comes to genetics. Like if you keep looking at that without realizing it, you develop a skewed image of what people are supposed to look like. And then you end up without realizing comparing yourself to that skewed image. So let's say you're six foot tall and you're always at professional basketball games. You're going to start to develop this image that you're this short person. Okay. Well, if you're always looking at these bodies on social media, you're going to develop this skewed image of yourself. And yeah, oh, oh I lost 20 pounds, but I don't have veins in my abs and I don't look jacked and I don't look shredded like, oh, it's not good. Right. So, so, so stop looking at, stop following those people. I'm telling you right now, it's the processed food of fitness. It's fake. You're not going to learn anything from these people. If anything, you'll learn what not to do. So listen to the coaches, the trainers who work with everyday regular people. Listen to this, the scientists who convey the studies, but also remember to apply those studies to yourself. Is it applicable? Is it not applicable? And that's where you're going to get better information. The best possible thing you could do if you really want to ensure success for yourself is to hire yourself an experienced trainer. Like hiring yourself an experienced coach or trainer that you can meet with. And I say experienced because if they've done this for 10 years or more, they're probably doing a pretty good job because there's bad trainers out there as well. So hire somebody that's got experience, who's worked with a lot of people. And if you work with them one-on-one, -on -one, even once a week, like what you're going to get from them is you're, you're hiring yourself a sensei, right? You're hiring yourself a guide. And that person is going to help guide you along the way and your odds of developing that relationship with exercise and diet that I talked about earlier are just much higher. Like I knew when somebody hired me that I had gotten to the point where it's like, okay, like our odds of success are, are going to be pretty high. Because I knew how to guide them, right? Because everybody's a little different. Everybody has different challenges and things are going to come up. And it's good to have that guide. It's good to have that guide to talk to when you're frustrated and what, when you become impatient or you're hating what you did to yourself or you missed your workouts, or maybe you're like, I think I should be working out harder, and your coach is like, actually, you're doing the right amount. Like, it's good to have that, that guide who's walking with you side by side up along the path up the mountain to help you find the, the pinnacle or the peak. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's such great advice. And I do think, though, that the one thing that it's just human nature for some reason that we get hyper-focused on when it comes to how we look physically is everybody wants like a good abdomen everybody wants a good looking torso i think at the end of the day that's like always i mean at least for me from as a trainer one of the big things i've heard from people like what their goals are is like, you know i want to lose some belly fat i want to get some abs in your experience like what do you think is the best way for somebody to lose some belly fat so they can see their torso a little bit they can they can see their abs i mean people oftentimes what i what i've heard and i think is the wrong way to do it is people like i'm just going to do some crunches and i'll get abs and it's not that simple right no. First off, everybody wants to be a billionaire, right? But does everybody want to do what's necessary, right? Everybody wants, you know, six-pack abs. By the way, six-pack abs are more rare than millionaires. There's more millionaires than there are people with abs that are visible. Just to give you an example of, of like, how rare it is and how challenging. You know, you wouldn't think so looking at social media, but it is. Go to the gym. Go to a gym. There's a self-selection bias there. These are people that work out and have everybody lift their shirt and you will see either no six-pack abs or like one or two in a gym full of people. Just go to a regular gym. So people want things because they don't realize what it takes to get that thing. And when they realize it, they actually don't want that. Like, okay, do you really want to be 6% body fat? Which means 
you have to kind of eat perfect all the time. It means you're probably going to be working out most of the time. It means you're not going to be spending the time you want with your family. You're not going to be enjoying eating out sometimes, the occasional glass of wine. Like, it is a full-time job. Now do you want the abs? No, everybody wants the, like I said, everybody wants to be the billionaire. They want the billion dollars. But when it when you really think about the pro, like what it takes to get there, you're like, actually, it's not worth it. Like, it's not worth <laughs> all that stuff. So, so I, I wanted to open with that. But okay, what's the most effective thing you can do? All right, well, I'll tell you. And these are all behavior-based strategies. So here's an easy way to cut five to 600 calories out of your diet. Avoid heavily processed foods. That's it. So eat as much as you want. Eat until you're full. But just don't eat foods that come in boxes or wrappers or packages. Don't eat foods that have like long ingredient lists. Eat whole natural foods. Eat as much as you want. And studies consistently show that you will naturally, without even trying, you'll eat until you're satisfied, but you'll still eat about five to 600 less calories a day, which will result in fat loss. So just do that. Now, someone might be wondering why. Well, without having to get into too much detail, heavily processed foods are engineered to make us overeat. You eat more of them because of the way that they're engineered, the way that they're designed. They're hyper palatable. Like a full bag of Lay's potato chips is like five potatoes. And people could probably sit down and eat a whole bag. But if you put five plain potatoes in front of them, they probably couldn't eat them, right? So, so that's all. Just avoid eating heavily processed foods and you'll automatically probably lose 10 to 15 pounds over a period of time just from doing that. And you'll, you won't feel deprived or restricted because you'll eat as much as you want, okay? Here's another one. Don't eat when you're distracted. So if you're going to eat, eat and do nothing else. No TV, no phone, no computer, no nothing. Just me and my food. That results on average between, uh, between 10 to 15% reduction in calories because we're more aware of our satiety signals when you're distracted, we tend to keep going past a certain point, And then we end up eating about, like I said, 10 to 15% more calories. The third thing you could do is don't drink any fluids when you eat. Why? Well, there's no magic to what I just said, aside from the fact that it makes you chew your food more. It just makes you chew your food more. And that allows those, those signals of satiety to hit you and it allows you to process them. You just eat slower. Honestly, those three things right there will take most people most of the way there. Yeah, now you're not going to, like I said, you're not going to get shredded. You're not going to look like a bodybuilder doing those things. But you're going to get a lot healthier, a lot more fit. And you'll lose a good chunk of the body fat that you want to lose just from doing those things right there and doing nothing else. I mean, yeah, that's all behavior stuff, like you said. And it's like, if you do those things, it's going to get you a lot closer than just not changing those things, not changing your diet, not looking at what you eat and just going to the gym and just busting out a bunch of crunches and planks. Like your core might get stronger by doing core exercises. But as far as like losing belly fat, I mean, you have to master your nutrition. Yeah, you can't spot reduce. In other words, you can't train a part of your body and burn body fat from that part. You can develop the muscle under that area and change the shape somewhat, but fat loss happens from wherever your body's genetically predisposed to store or lose body fat. It's somewhat influenced by hormones, but yeah, it's a, it's a failed approach if you're trying to do spot reduction.
Yeah, it just doesn't work, right? I mean, I think it's obviously, obviously, I think it's important to do core exercises to strengthen your core. And I think your abdominal muscles will be shown more if you have less body fat, right? If you get to a low enough level of body fat percentage, you're, when you do core exercises, it'll help your abs pop out more. But you're right, you know, you can't, you can't spot reduce. And I know we've spent this conversation trying to help people achieve their goals, help people become healthier mentally, emotionally, and of course, physically. But I want to know what's next for you. Like, what are your big goals for 2023? Yeah, I'm focused on, I want to continue to develop my spiritual practice. So that's a big goal. I'm going to be working on uh, public speaking more, try to kind of get, you know, master that. And then of course, continue to get better with what we do here at Mind Pump. You know, we have a large audience and I want to continue to reach more and more people because, you know, there's not a lot of voices of reason in our space. The more people we can reach and the more people we can highlight who are doing the right thing, the better our space becomes. So that's always the goal every year is like, how can we reach more people? How can we drown out or counter all that crappy information that's out there? Because I truly believe that the answers to a lot of our modern, a lot of modern health issues, both physically and mentally, the answers are within the fitness and health space. They really are. There's no other space that has the answers for those things. It's just we're not doing a good job of helping people get there. It's communicated wrong and we're selling the wrong stuff. So that's always a goal. Awesome, man. Well, I look forward to seeing your improvements in your spiritual practice and hearing more throughout the year about how public speaking is going. And of course, yeah, with you got to master that craft, right? And you guys have a great platform, great podcast, and it's always a place that I that I reference people to when they're looking for a, a solid fitness podcast that helps you know debunk a lot of the the crap out there and point people in the right direction. So, Sal, this has been awesome. If people want to connect with you, if they're not listening to the podcast already and they want to listen along, where's the best place to connect? Well, Mind Pump is the podcast you can find on any any platform. You can also find the podcast on YouTube. We also video the podcast, so it's also a, a visual show as well. So YouTube or Spotify or iTunes or any other platform that has podcasts, that's where you'll find us. Awesome, man. Well, I'll make sure to include the links to that stuff in the show notes. And for those listening, what I invite you to do is to share a takeaway. Maybe it was something that Sal said about behavior change and habit formation and why you have to focus on like why you're starting your health and fitness journey or questioning whether or not whatever you do is something you can do long-term because it's so true that whatever exercise plan you stick to is going to be the best one. Maybe it was something he said about the importance of strength training. Maybe it was something he said when we talked about some of the myths and misinformation out there. Or maybe it was something that he just said about some of his personal goals. Whatever Sal said that resonated with you, make sure to tag him, tag myself, because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. We'll see you next time.